Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, I'm super excited. Uh, we're sitting down talking with John Maxwell. Um, John is an ultra runner. He's a really, really, really good ultra runner. Uh, in fact, after we recorded this, we recorded this like uh, about probably like a month and a half ago. Um, he actually... Uh, earned himself a 100 mile victory at the uh whistler alpine meadows 100 mile race um hopefully i'm saying that correctly and got that there's a lot it looks like there's a lot of races that happen there it sounds like an amazing incredible event but uh but yeah i i really wanted to reach out to john have him on the podcast because like me he is uh, a father of three. Um, so he's trying to balance this whole crazy life thing of having three kids, having a job, be, being an incredible ultra runner. And unlike me, John can go out and win 100 mile races, which is absolutely incredible. Um, but I always find that interesting because I'm curious to see how other people do that. You know, like I have my own, I've found my own balance in this whole thing. Um, but I also, understand like my way of doing things and my thoughts and my ideas and and my strategies that have worked in my life might not be the exact same as everyone else's and just because i have found something that works for me doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a better way of doing things a better way of balancing life work kids being a husband there you know just because i know what i've done in the past i'm always out there trying to seek uh, you know, other ways as part of being like a lifelong learner um, about really anything. And one of the best ways is finding someone who's going through a similar experience and and hearing how they do it, you know. Um, so I hope you all enjoy the episode. We talk a whole bunch about ultra running. We talk about um, John's goals and what he's set out to do. And he's done some absolutely just completely badass races uh and he's an awesome dude so i really enjoyed this episode i hope you all do too um and yeah let's get right into it this is like a bigfoot podcast number 304 with john maxwell All right, uh, this week I am very excited to welcome John Maxwell to the show. Um, I put a post on like social media or something I'm like, hey, who should I talk to for? And the joke, John, is that I'm calling this season two of the podcast. I had like th <laughs> season one was 300 episodes in like five years. Um, <laughs> and so your neighbor, Liz, uh message and said you should definitely have john on so yeah man i'm super excited though i'm super excited to chat with you yeah no i appreciate you reaching out and yeah should be good yeah i was looking uh online and your like little description literally just says trail runner husband <laughs> dad of three and i was like this is describing me what <laughs> but i can't grow as cool of a beard so that's the difference yeah it's taken a little while you know but <laughs> got it got it in nicely <laughs> is that is that the like i have a newborn i don't even have time to shave look going on you know i i want to say it's actually kind of like a trail running thing before running thing i guess <laughs> maybe i started it back when i 
transitions from road marathons into the ultra scene. I was like, I got to have something. I'm not going to grow a mullet. My hair's not, you know, all fancy. So the, the beard is kind of my thing. <laughs> oh man. Maybe that's my, maybe that's my strategy is the mullet then. Cause I, yep. it doesn't grow. Like I've, I'm patchy, you know? It's, yep. Yeah. But, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to try that, but yeah, man, I, I just, I'm super excited to talk with you because obviously I feel like I relate to you on the dad of three level. Um, especially, yep. uh, you've done some epic trail running races that are just mind blowing to me that I've, I haven't got the guts. I haven't had the guts to take on yet. So, um, but I want to ask you real quick, like you wear all these different hats and you didn't even mention like, you know, work, like your job or, or any of the other hats that you may wear, but how do you find balance? Like doing all that with being an athlete? Yeah. You know, honestly, like, you know, coming from like the road running sort of thing. Right. So you can get away with like a 10 mile or 15 mile as your long run. <laughs> yeah. And then transitioning into the ultra world, it was like, okay, now I've got like a six hour long run or eight hour long run, you know, that type of thing. So at first it was like a real tough balancing act of like, okay, how do I fit in a really long run on the weekend, on a weekday without just completely leaving the family behind, you know? Yeah. And so for me, I really found just the morning time I wake up three o'clock sometimes. I mean, I've, I've done crazy stuff as starting at midnight, even if that makes sense. Um, and just that way I can get my run done and normally home by lunchtime. And yeah. then I got the rest of the day to spend with the family. See, it makes sense to me, but it probably doesn't make sense to <laughs> most human beings. <laughs> yep. It's a lot of headlight running, which, which honestly is another, like, I don't know I, when I get into like the hundred mile distance sort of stuff and you're going into the night, I feel really comfortable. Uh, because yeah. I've had so much practice kind of doing it. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's good. And then the kid piece of it, you know, too, is like, obviously you get sleep deprived having kids and dealing with, you know, a newborn and all that. And that's all just like a different form of training. So I've kind of utilized that, uh, to try to help me, you know, on these longer adventures for sure. Yeah, man. I call that extra size. Like you get home from <laughs> running forever but your kids don't know that and you're picking nope. them up and wrestling with them and carrying them around everywhere. Or, you know, like I just remember I going for, I specifically remember this day going for a long run in the morning and then going to like the kids museum and my legs hurt so bad. And I'm just walking around yep. this, and I'm like, yeah, this is probably good for me. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep that lactic acid moving. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I saw uh, on your Instagram, there's a, a picture that I was like, I relate to this picture more than maybe anything I've seen on Instagram. And it was just you on like a rock face or it was like you're standing on some rocks and your headlamp in the dark. And you're like, this is now training for me. Like, this is what I do. And I'm yep. like, yeah, dude, you just people have asked me for advice. And I'm like, just you got to wake up earlier, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you got to extend the 24 hour day, you know, and that means waking up early and and it feels good too, right? I mean, when you get a morning run in and like you're, yeah. you have that behind you, like, I don't know, then I just feel like, okay, now the day, you know, I have coffee in the morning and kind of the rest of the day goes pretty smooth. But if I don't get out in the morning, then I'm kind of like stressing, like, okay, when am I going to fit this in? How am I going to fit it in? Yeah. You know, or sometimes I don't fit it in. Um, yeah. So it's really, really about the morning time. Yeah, man. Well, so can you kind of like expand upon that? Like when the alarm goes off, like, Here's the thing I think most people struggle with, including me, is when the alarm goes off, how do you not 
like do you have any strategies where you won't hit snooze or like you know like how do you not just go back to sleep yeah i think the biggest thing is like prepping everything you can the night before so basically making it super easy to get up your clothes is laid out your water bottles laid out you know coffee's prepped you just got to press a button you know that sort of thing so then really or even set the coffee you know so like it starts so then maybe you even smell it when you wake up you're like ah okay i gotta get up uh but i mean yeah i think the biggest thing is just after like a week or two of doing it right then you're kind of used to it like that first week to two weeks is tough you know you want to hit snooze every time you feel like you're not getting enough sleep but then after you've kind of got into that rhythm it definitely gets a lot easier yeah yeah and you know did you kind of start this up like i guess uh you told me before we started recording but like how old are your kids yeah so i've got a seven-year-old boy a five-year-old boy and then we just had a a newborn girl about 10 months ago so That's she's yeah, 10 months yeah was this like did you start as soon as you became a dad like doing these early morning trainings or has that kind of evolved as you've added more to your to your little to your family there no, that, that started probably with the kids and yeah, with, uh, the ultra training, uh, cause I started running actually when my first was two years old. So I've kind of been doing this for like six or five, six years yeah. in the ultra stuff. And, uh, and yeah, I just kind of realized quickly that that was the time, you know, <laughs> at, at first I started doing stroller runs and, you know, Bob stroller, double Bob strollers, the way to go for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that you can get in those flat runs too. Uh, but if I had to get out to a mountain trail, then it was all about the morning time. And then that way, you know, the household's asleep, you know, so I'm not like stressed out like, oh, I just left my wife with all the kids and, you know, coming home to like a, a mess, you know, of just the kids aren't happy. Mom's not happy. You know, I'd rather come home and be like, everyone's waking up. I can yep. make coffee. I can do breakfast for them, you know, and then it's like, oh, yeah, you can go run anytime. <laughs> yeah. I told my daughter this morning, I was like, you know, uh, my, cause she got up early for whatever reason. I was downstairs working out and I was like, yeah, dad, like this is usually when dad runs or works out. And she's just like, looked at me like what? And I'm like, yeah, that's way that way. Like I don't have to miss, you know, helping around the house or spending time with you. And she's just like, you run. And I was like, yeah, that's funny, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, no, man, that's cool. So tell me a little bit about like your background. Like, were you always an adventurous spirit? Did you always enjoy like going out to the wilderness? Like what eventually led you to trail running and all these like really cool things you've been able to do through that sport? Yeah. You know, I mean, I did some hiking growing up a little bit, not, not too much. Um, I kind of really got into running. I played soccer in high school wasn't a good soccer player by any means so that didn't go anywhere so then when i got in college i was like ah, i gotta stay in shape so yeah i uh, started running i was going to the u-dub and started running on the burt gilman and miles kind of slowly started adding up and then actually my wife's uncle was like hey you should do a, a marathon i was like nah that's that's ridiculous you know <laughs> <laughs> and then uh you know, I started doing like 10 mile runs or 15 mile runs i'm like ah well you know maybe a marathon isn't crazy anymore yeah. so then so then kind of got into the marathon stuff and, um, and yeah, being like hiking, I always liked being outdoors and snowboarding, anything outside. So then after marathons, I was really just found out like, Hey, a trail that, you know, used to be a, a day hike I can go do in a couple hours and be home. Um, and I can get the full experience of going out and seeing a waterfall, seeing an Alpine Lake, yeah. um, mountain goats out here. I mean, there's all sorts of just beautiful stuff that, running can get you there and back, you know, 
in a really short period of time. Yeah. So that's been kind of the biggest thing. That's cool, man. Did you ever have a moment? Cause it, I'm very similar in my story where, you know, I, I got into it to stay in shape or get in shape or whatever. Um, so it's almost like you're getting into running as just like a thing to get this other thing, you know? Yeah. Did you yeah. have a moment where it clicked and you're like, Oh, I actually like kind of enjoy this. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, you know, the runner's high is an absolutely a real thing. I feel like many people don't maybe experience it or they're kind of, they hit it and then they're like, and then I'm exhausted, you know, or something. So they don't really have that moment, but trail running, you just kind of get in your own head. And I mean, I don't even know what I think about sometimes out there. I'm just kind of running or looking around and I don't yeah. listen to music. I don't listen to anything really when I'm out on the trail, I just kind of soak it all in. And, uh, so I think the moment is just like the further I extended those runs, like the more I realized like, man, it's just so peaceful out here. Like yeah. any, any worries I had going on, it's kind of like, that's my time to just, you know, dec decompress and get everything out. And then I come home and feel good. And, uh, yeah, the day goes, day goes good from there. That's amazing, man. When did you first kind of hear about ultra running? Do you remember like the first moment you're like, oh, these people run more than a marathon? Like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, actually. So when my son, I guess it was when my second son was two. Maybe I said my first son was two. I think it was my second son was two. Um, but he, uh, I was holding him and watching uh, someone had suggested, uh, it was called um, Amongst Amongst the Evergreens by okay. Ethan. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was like his, uh, or one of his journeys, you know, through um, the Cascade Crest 100. And so I watched that and just, and then I just kind of got hooked on all those videos of his yeah. and all the, and all the different ultra videos. I started like looking up and watching them. And then I was like, okay, 50 miles, you know, maybe that's, you know, not a terrible idea. So I signed <laughs> up for, signed up for a uh, 50 miler, the white river and trained for that and kind of thought like, oh yeah, I feel ready for it. Then get out there and just like, man, it was hard. It was hot. Like had never run for that long in my life. Um, and then at the end of it, I was like, no more than 50 miles, but within, within like six months, I had signed up for a hundred. So yeah. were you just out there cursing the ginger runner? Like, no curse you, Ethan. Why? <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely, I mean, it, it's just so weird. Ultras you get, you, you, I mean, you can have a really high, high, and then you can have a really low, low, you know, in the same race. And then the fact, what I like most about them is that you find your way out of a low, you know? So like not many sports or different uh even even different shorter running races you know you don't really have that chance to hit a low or maybe you spend hours like walking right maybe you're just walking up a, a big climb for an hour yeah. and but then when you get to the top all of a sudden you're like man i just you know maybe you ate some food or had something to drink and you're like oh i feel great again like okay i can keep going yeah so you really see that up and down which is really cool about it yeah, man. Do you remember specifically like any lows or highs that you had in that first race? Yeah, I think around like mile 40 or something like that. Cause I think training, I had done about a 30 mile run. It's like a 50 yeah. K. Um, and then when I hit around mile 40, I was like, man, there's 10 more miles left and there was still some more climbing and it was just like, okay, but 10 miles. And then I'm just picturing like a 10 mile route 
you know, around my house. And I'm like, man, I can do that all the time. Like 10 more miles. Let's just keep yeah. going. Yeah. And then as you get closer, you start getting that adrenaline going again. And the fam- my family's always been pretty much at every race I've done. So like the fact that, okay, I got to get there to see them, you know, and excited to have them cheer me on. And yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, that's kind of keeps me going through some of those lows for sure. Yeah. What do, uh, what is your family? Like, what do they think about like ultras? I mean, they love it now. I mean, at first, I think maybe they thought it was a little crazy. And like I was telling you earlier, you know, you go from a 10 mile run as your long run or 15 mile run, you know, training for marathons. And then all of a sudden you're doing hours and hours. Um, so that was kind of like, a you know, a transition period. But now my wife, like she just loves the environment. Like yeah. the people at these ultras are way different than like a marathon. You're not standing alongside of a road, just like waving as someone goes by, like, you know, she's helping me at each aid station for different races. The kids are helping me. They're normally out playing around with other kids who are there at these things. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun, like having the family involved with it. Yeah. Well, it's cool. It's like an excuse to get your kids outside for a whole entire day, you know, like, Hey, you're outside at the aid station. And it's cool that, you know, like your wife gets to be involved in the actual, yep. like you said, instead of just waving, it's like, no, they're in there. Like, giving you food oh, yeah. and like helping you out and supporting and stuff like that. Yeah. She, I mean, she's my one and only crew person, you know, <laughs> at most races and she, you know, she looks at me, she kind of knows what I want, knows what I like to eat or, yeah. you know, so she helps me like at my last race, I was at tiger claw and I was changing out packs every time I was doing loops. And so I, I came in, she had a pack ready with my fuel, with my bottles. So literally my transition was just, you know, within 30 seconds, I just swapped out a pack that had everything I needed in and out. And then, you know, if I needed anything else, she kind of had it all there for me. That's amazing. Are you, are you a competitive person? Like, do you get competitive in these things? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had some (laughs) success in a couple of them. uh, So I definitely like to be towards the front, you know, and, and see what I can do. Um, Depending on how, like I feel going into it, I kind of know whether I'm going to be, you know, up there or not, but it's, uh, it's definitely competitive. Yeah. I think, I think that's from my soccer days. You know, I still like to have (laughs) some sort of competitiveness in it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a weird thing though. Cause every, all ultra runners are usually so chill and, you know, like low key and stuff like that. And then, but all, at the same time, like some of them are really, really competitive too. Like even like, you know, looking at, um, like following along with like the hard rock 100 and stuff. And you're yep. seeing Killian Jornet, who's known as this like really humble, chill dude. But then out there he's competing and he's, I don't know. It's just this weird balance you don't see in a lot of sports. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah, because you do, most people in the sport are relatively chill. Like you don't see all these cocky people like saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to go win this, win this, win this, because, you know, yeah. 50 miles, 100 miles. I mean, it's big distances, like tons of different things could happen. I mean, stomach issues or one trip and fall, you know, yeah. you could be out of the race. Uh, so, I mean, there's just so many elements to it that dialing in and actually having kind of that perfect race, you know doesn't happen all the time and i think that's like part of the fun about it too maybe that's it dude it's just so long it's just like so many things can go wrong in that amount of time yep yeah yeah well and yeah so you figure things out right so like if you have a great race you kind of look back and you're like oh yeah you know i did good on fueling uh i felt my legs felt good so i feel like i was trained good and you don't really make many changes but 
when you have a hard race or a race that doesn't go well, then you're like, okay, what, what did I eat? Did I eat something funky that threw yeah. my stomach off? Did I, did I tr- overtrain? Did I undertrain? Um, yeah. Like, was I not drinking enough fluids? There's so many variables that you can start tweaking, you know, to prepare you for the next one. Yeah. Well, I'm always in, I mean, as much as I love hearing about the perfect races and things like that, I'm almost more curious. I don't know if it's like a morbid curiosity about when everything goes wrong, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure it's happened to you in some of these. Can you kind of like, you know, maybe share a story of when, when a race got really hard and how you like overcame or how you learned from that? Yeah, I mean, the one I'll explain wasn't really a race, so I was trying to set the Wonderland. FKT. I was wondering if this is the one you're <laughs> gonna bring up. Okay. Yeah. So basically, I had I had planned and trained for for months, you know, wanting to go do this thing. Uh, I had a good buddy of mine. He he's really good with just kind of putting uh, a plan together and kind of had eight or checkpoint by checkpoint along the Wonderland of where I should be at what time if I wanted to kind of go for that sub twenty four hour time. And so I, I felt ready. I felt like I got a good night's sleep. Body felt good. I, everything was prepared. And I go out on the trail. My wife sees me off. And then I head out. And within like 20 miles, I'm like, man, I just don't feel good today. I was like gagging and like just, you know, I, it wasn't even like my stomach was funky. I just didn't feel like I was like having a good day. And so I, I spent like, I don't know, eight, 10 hours probably just hiking along, trying to run and it ended up making it like 60 miles, I think. So I went yeah. from Longmere uh, to uh, White River, basically. And when I got there, I had already decided kind of at a high point. I was like, you know, the time's not going to be there today. Yeah, I just need to call it a day and figure it out. So I actually got to White River kind of in the morning time frame and was just like, okay, I turned off my watch real quick. So I was like, that's the decision point for me. If I, <laughs> if I click my watch off then it's kind of done. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I beat myself up over it for, uh, a few days. I mean, I, I really had a hard time understanding like why I felt that way. Um, and I, and I didn't th- like when I quit on the trail, I was like, okay, like it's not the day I'm okay with it. I need to figure out when to come back. But then when I got home, I was like sitting at work and I couldn't even concentrate. I was just like focused on what happened. Like, what was I doing? Like, why did I feel so terrible? And so then it was the following weekend. I was like, because it was just driving me nuts. I literally couldn't sleep. I mean, (laughs) and so then the following weekend, my wife uh, volunteered. She was like, we can go back out. And I was like, I got to get back out. I just need to go have a better experience because, you know, I was so like down on the trail half the time. So I didn't really get to soak up like the beauty of being out there. So I went back out the next weekend with a pure goal of like, let's have fun. Like if my time's not there, it's not there, but I'm doing the loop this time. And then everything like clicked, you know, like I felt like I didn't do anything different, but it just clicked. What what was it the first time? Did you ever figure that out? No, you know, I I never really did. I I think uh, maybe the heat was the only thing I thought of, you know, being in Washington, we don't get the best like heat training type of days. Mm -hmm. Yeah fully exposed and heat and getting really hot really fast you know maybe i just wasn't kind of prepped for how much water i should have been consuming or anything like that um but i also think you know sometimes you have a good day and you have a bad day you know there's i forget what they call it there's some like the rule of thirds or something and basically it's like you know third of the time you're going to feel good third of the time you're going to feel terrible and a third of the time you're just going to feel so so and if you're kind of 
falling into that, then you're doing all right. You know, if yeah. you start having 50% of the time you feel like crap, you know, and 50% of the time you feel good, then maybe there's something up. That's not uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. But, no. Can you, so give us an idea what, like the Wonderland trail, I know it goes around Mount Rainier. I know it's really long. I know it's one of those epic trails that um, people backpack and things like that. But what, what was it about that trail that like drew you to it? Yeah. I mean, I think I had never done it and going out for like five days to go like hike it for me and, you know, like yourself, probably like to get away from the family for five days. That's not really how I'm going to spend my va vacation from work. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to go over too well if I use up all my, <laughs> all my PTO and then come back and instantly have to go back. So yeah, doing it like a fast style was like, okay, th this looks, you know, fun. And I saw the times and at the time, uh, back then, uh, no one had broke 24 hours and I was like, well, it's 93 miles with 26,000 feet of gain, which is similar to like I had done Orcas Island, I think the year prior, which is roughly the same hundred miles with 26,000 feet. And I had done it just under 24 hours. So I was like, that's ah, maybe, you know, doable. Yeah. I got to carry my own stuff is different. Uh, and I'll have to practice, but it just intrigued me to see like, okay, what can I do? You know, unsupported, like a loaded pack and just go out there and you know get the full experience of the mountain and and yeah so that that kind of drew me in I, I look at it all the time right i mean i can even see it from my house up here and uh you know being able to see it and then just know like hey there's a trail that cruises around and you get you got some high points where you really get close to the mountain i mean it's yeah. just absolutely beautiful that's cool man so was there any moment like even when it all clicked was there um like did you know that you were going to be able to get it completed and and reach your goal and all that yeah i mean so the second time i went out yeah i was having a good day went through the night really well uh felt like i was moving good and you know obviously gps watches aren't you know the most accurate they hit they hit spots where they don't get good signals and everything yeah so i i, I come around to a spot and i was like man i shouldn't be like a lot further if i'm going to make under 24 and so I was like, well, I guess it's just not that day, but I'm, I'm having a fun time. And then I got to like a landmark that I recognized. It was a lake, I think. And I was like, wait, I'm only five miles out. And I, I was at like 21 hours. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, hold on. Like I actually, so then all of a sudden all this like adrenaline started pumping again and, you know, everything kind of came to like realization that I was going to actually do it. And I mean, yeah. I got pretty emotional even when I was coming down the final segment, I was just like tearing up. Cause I was like, man, like, my family was at the end just waiting for me seeing me fail the weekend prior you know was tough yeah. and uh yeah it was just super special do you think there was anything with like pressures off this time like the first time you maybe put all this pressure on yourself and the second time that wasn't there yeah yeah i definitely think that could have played into it because you know i had every now and then when i go on like a big adventure i'll send out like a, a gps you know tracking like my spot my uh in reach tracking to family friends and be like hey i'm doing this you can follow along if you want yeah and the first time i did do that so i had coworkers following me i had <laughs> family members following me so then it, i don't know if that got in my head but the second time I, I didn't tell anybody it was just my wife knew and we went out and i was like no pressure just gonna go have a good time and yeah that that did seem to help I mean, yeah man yeah. that's that's cool uh I, i'm curious like well i also i wanted to ask you about bigfoot 200 so 
that's coming up in like a week for people even though i guess by the time this podcast goes out it'll already be over most likely but um what year did you did you run that one and what obviously you're out there in washington so i was going to ask what what brought you to that one but you know it seems like a cool way to explore the state yeah i mean so actually i haven't done bigfoot 200 i did moab two. Oh, my fault man um, i rolled the wrong one <laughs> All right, hold on. No, no. I'm gonna add. Hold on. Let me add forty miles to it <laughs> and move it into southern Utah. Okay, so yep. Moab two forty. All right, I I'm very curious about two hundreds. I've interviewed a handful of people on here over the years um, that have taken these on, but what was it like? What made you realize like I can handle that distance? And then what kind of got you the? Uh, like, is it weird signing up? Is it like this brave moment or do you just click a button? You're like, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, actually I, my inspiration was from Bigfoot 200. So I basically uh, volunteered at Bigfoot as like a aid station captain and just wanted to kind of experience and see what people were doing out there. Cause I think in my head, 200s were like a potential, but still kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and so then like, we were at mile 93, I think, or something like that, <laughs> where our aid station was. So these yeah. people are coming in, you know, just completely either trashed. I think they had went through a storm that night. So a lot of them were either like almost hypothermic, you know, they were completely wet, feet were terrible, but they had a hundred more miles to go. <laughs> and so seeing, seeing these people come in, kind of refuel and like change things and get back going. I was like, man, this is incredible. Like this is a, a different level, like multi-day, multi-night, you know, sort of running. Yeah. And I think that's what like inspired me was like, you know, you see all walks of life do ultras, right? I mean, you're not seeing like the, the bone, you know, skin and bone, skinny folks, you know, doing these things. I mean, you see everybody doing them. Yeah. Um, and so then it's like, okay, you know, maybe I, I, maybe I can do one of these, like, and then I just really got excited about it. And, and Moab was like two, a month later or two months after that. And I had just done the Wonderland actually. So that was the same year. Okay. So I, so I felt in a good place and, uh, I figured running with a heavy pack, you know, was good training going into something where aid stations at Moab were like 20 miles apart. So you did have to have a decent amount of water, a decent amount of fuel with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just got super excited at Bigfoot and figured pull the trigger. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So Moab, like, what did you think of just Moab in general, like as an area? I mean, it is absolutely beautiful. Like I, we've been talking about going back to Moab ever since we did, did that race. Cause I mean, you go, I mean, you start in Moab, you head out and you get like all sorts of different terrain. I mean, you're running what seems like the desert on just flat or like the flat rocks out there. Then all of a sudden you hit like a huge forest. Um, you go up into the LaSalle's and get up to like 10,000 feet. Um, yeah, I mean, you're there's a spot on the course where you're literally like at the halfway mark and you can see Moab like way down, you know, in the valley. And you know that you have to go the roundabout way, you know, up into the LaSalle and then back down. And it's like, <laughs> holy cow, I just can't think about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you just got to go checkpoint by checkpoint in those races. But, but yeah, that place is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I'd go back any day. That's amazing, man. Well, I, I want to, I'm very curious about like, how do you train for a 200 miler? I've asked so many people this question over the years and I've gotten so many, 
it's just interesting to me there's it's since it is kind of like the newer distance or whatever um quote unquote uh there's no real like training plan for it and maybe there is now at this point but everyone's advice has been different everyone's trained differently leading up to these events and yeah so how did you take on that training besides the yeah, wonderland I, mean, I, I guess wonderland's a pretty good training for it <laughs> yeah i mean i felt good getting that in i actually did another i think i did uh the wham 100 which is the whistler alpine meadow 100 about a, a couple weeks prior to uh, moab so then i felt really good i had knocked out you know two basically 100 mile distances in the months leading up to it yeah um but you know honestly i don't think you need to train any different for a 100 to a 200 um and you don't even train that much different from a 50 to 100 i feel like you know you may extend a little bit of the hours but i think there's a fine balancing point of you know overtraining, and mm -hmm. i see a lot of people like feel the need to go get 100 mile weeks or 120 mile weeks and you actually just put a lot of fatigue on your body and I think it actually hurts you in the long run. So I ended up, uh, I ended up working with a coach. So I, I've been coached by Gary Robbins the past two years. Um, and he really helped me change my mindset. Cause I used to be the guy who like, okay, I got to run 10 miles a day, 80, 90 mile weeks, hundred mile weeks, kind of at the peak. And my race results were, you know, I, I was still doing all right, but I never had that like stamina near the end. Yeah, And I've really dialed back like a peak week for me is 70 miles, maybe. Um, and normally kind of in that 50, 60, 70 range is where I stay regardless. Um, but it's definitely more, you know, specific training, you know, it's uh, speed workouts or hill workouts, flat workouts, and then easy runs are very easy. You know, you're not heading out and trying to run your fastest mile just because you're doing a flat run that day. It's you know, an eight minute mile pace, just kind of going out and keeping the legs turning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think that's kind of the, my biggest training going into them is like, you know, just be smart about it. Don't overdo it and just keep your body healthy and get there at the start line, you know, with no injuries, no like things you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to have a, an ankle flare up at mile 50. Cause you know, I've been running a hundred mile weeks the past two months you know so yeah yeah can you kind of speak to the idea of being a dad and being so busy but then so hiring a coach like being a huge advantage because to me it's just like it'll, it would eliminate decision fatigue like you're not thinking about your training you're not thinking like what am i going to do today that's all written out you just have to show up and do it yeah exactly i mean i think it's been really nice i mean it takes away that aspect it also has someone who you know is going to, you know, Hey, you didn't do that workout. Like yeah. <laughs> what was going on? You know? So someone to keep you accountable because, you know, throughout these things, you may lose motivation at times or you wake up and you don't feel like going for a run. Um, but when you have someone looking on, you're like, okay, no, I need to make sure I'm doing it. You know, this is the right thing to do. Um, and then it just having that plan, you know, built out ahead of time, it does help you. Like me and my wife always have a conversation basically every week. I'm like, Hey, so this weekend, I got to fit in like two five mile or two five hour runs. Yeah. So is that going to be better to do like on Friday, Saturday? Should I try to cram one in on Thursday, Friday? Um, and we figure out ahead of time, you know, of when it's going to work. And then it's not a surprise. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to be gone all Saturday. And <laughs> yeah. I tell her on Friday night, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really helped like just keep that balance of 
the kids know when I'm doing it. The kids know when I'm going to be back. Um, and yeah, it's, it's worked out pretty well. That's cool, man. How did you, uh, settle on Gary? Who's obviously like, I have to imagine when you talk with him, it's like talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi on this thing. Like he just comes in and drops some wisdom and you're like, Whoa, you just yep, blew my yep. mind. <laughs> so like, how did you, yeah. What, what kind of, a like, I don't know, hype him up. He's the, he seems like a good dude. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, uh, I had, I'd like, you know, followed Gary for a long time. He's obviously an amazing runner. I mean, his whole Barkley experience and how he's <laughs> yeah. hand, handled everything there. I mean, he's, he's had tons and tons of wins of, uh, course records. I mean, the hurt 100, you know, he's put up tons of amazing times there. Um, and yeah, and, and he's also a dad. And I think that was the biggest piece is I wanted to find someone who was relatable and could understand like, Hey, I did miss this run this week. You know, I had a family, you know, commitment and it's not someone who doesn't have kids or doesn't kind of understand all the balancing that you have to do. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing, he was doing the Barclays, I think when his kid was, you know, or in his early, you know, one, two, three, maybe even type of years, which is tough, right? Yeah. I mean, kids, kids need a lot of time and you want to spend a lot of time with your kids. And, uh, and I knew working with him, I was going to get that, you know, sort of good relationship of understanding of what we're both kind of trying to do. Yeah. No, man. And then, huge. yeah, I mean, and then he's just got a ton of experience in like the long distance stuff. He was, he did like adventure type, uh, races prior as well. And so I thought, you know, I really like the hundred mile distance kind of an above, um, is really where I like to specialize. And he, in my mind has always been one of those people who does amazing at those really, really long events. So seemed to fit well. And I actually, my original plan was to just reach out to him and see if he could give me some advice. You know, I was struggling with some fueling issues and just kind of crashing always in, in these long distance. Um, so I said, Hey, like, you know, uh, wondering if you could, uh, or if I could chat with you just one time, do a one-off sort of thing. And he's like, Oh, he's like, you know, I'd love to coach you full time. And, uh, and I was like, okay, maybe that's a sign that I got to do it. And, uh, and my wife was like, well, if he offered to work with you full time, you got to do it. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I love the film, uh, which is a weird for me to say, I love this film because it's called where dreams go to die about yep. the Barkley, but it's just, it's one of the, the better ultra running, like more intense experiences an ultra runner could have. And he's very, yeah, he seems very relatable and down to earth and, um, at the same time, like incredibly driven, uh, which is, yep. I think you want all those traits in there, which is really cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was there any, like, I mean, not to give away, coaching secrets obi-wan kenobi style but was there any uh <laughs> was there any like paradigm shifting things you kind of mentioned the whole like you don't have to have these 80 90 100 mile weeks like was there anything that he taught you um that kind of just shifted the way you thought about this whole sport yeah i, I think for me and i think for a lot of people the big the most underlooked aspect is the fueling piece and you know, you, you go run and you feel like, okay, I need to train for a 50 K. So I'm going to run 20 miles, 25 miles. And I'll feel like I'll get there. Yeah. But you don't really think about like what you need to eat yeah. in order to keep those miles going. You know, you may be able to go do the distance, but you're going to taper off and lose energy and really slow your pace down. Yeah. And he really taught me like, Hey, you have to train your stomach 
as much as you train your legs and everything else. So you can't go from eating 500 calories, you know, on a training run and then heading out to a race and expecting to eat 5,000 and your body not say something. Right. <laughs> uh, so like, really it was like, Hey, so if you go out for a four hour jog, you're going to be eating a thousand calories. You go out for an eight hour, you're eating 2000 calories. And I mean, you're getting, and you're trying different fuels. You're figuring out what works with you, what doesn't. Yeah. And then when you go out for a big long run, you've trained your body. Like I've been eating, I ate, you know, 5,000 calories in gels this week already, you know? So <laughs> you go out, you go out to do a big thing and your stomach's used to it. You're used to it. And, and I've just noticed that I can keep my energy level and my pace up that much better now. Yeah. That's amazing, man. What works for you? Like what's your go-to? So spring energy is, is my number one for sure. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be working like as an ambassador with them for like two or three years now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's real food. And for me, like the sugary sort of stuff, just, I mean, I would get sick of it at some point or yeah. like my stomach would get sick of it. But like at Tiger Claw just recently, I took, I think it was like 17 or 18 awesome sauce, uh, which is my favorite one that they have. Uh, I've like, had I mean, awesome sauce. I've had that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's applesauce, right? But it's like 180 calorie applesauce. Um, so it just goes down real quick and easy. I had been training with it, like leading up to it. So my stomach was used to it. And, yes, dude. Yeah. Dude. Uh, yeah. So I have uh, a recipe I invented with awesome sauce. Really? Where, yeah, we were, it's long story, but we were out, we weren't running this race, but we were like out there supporting and things like that. And, uh, I just, I, for some reason it was in charge. It was up to me to buy all the food. So I bought like a whole bunch of English muffins. I'm like, I'm going to buy English muffins. You can put a bunch of stuff on that. It'll be good. <laughs> and one of the runners was like, have you had awesome sauce? I'm like, no, but I'll try it. Like that sounds, it sounds great. You know? Cause he described like you did. He's like, it's like applesauce, but better. I'm like, Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yep. so I took an English muffin. It was like a hundred and like 10 degrees out English muffin. <laughs> awesome sauce applesauce sandwich i invented it so there you go yeah feel yep. free to steal the steal the applesauce sandwich <laughs> yeah maybe i'll have to make one of those on my next training run here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah pipe it up to 100 degrees and uh you're good you're set yep. um i wanted to ask you about one more specific race um and i don't know if i'm going to be able to pronounce it correctly the uh, the tinaway count country oh man i even i mess up saying country <laughs> tinaway country yep. 100. tinaway yep dang it i knew i was not gonna get that uh <laughs> you mentioned that it was fifteen thousand feet vert in the first 38 miles which is insane <laughs> like tell me about that yep. yeah you know i mean i knew going into that one it was just it was just a vert fest right i mean with <laughs> 31 or 32,000 feet of gain over the hundred. I mean, you're either going up or down is basically the idea of that. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I'm running and I was feeling good. My, my whole strategy that day was just like, keep the pace going, power hike ups. And then I really like downhills kind of just flowing on those. So I was powering through the downhills. And so I'm heading up this climb at, yeah, like mile 35. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> what is going on? And I get up at the top and see that it was at a little over 15,000. And I was like, man, like, I don't know what Brian was thinking with this thing, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, I was having a good time still. I was, uh, 
at that point I moved up into first place. So I was just kind of happy with how the day was going. And, yeah. uh, and then, yeah, you know, vert's kind of always been my thing. I think I'm not like, I'm not going to be a 10 K sprinter type of person or, you know, even 50 K's guys are running them like crazy fast. And that's never been kind of my specialty. I, I like the vert. I feel like I can power up some, some of the climbs pretty well and then really nail the downhills. And that's where I find myself kind of the most competitive. So yeah, if there's a vert race, that's what I sign up for. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And I, I think I told you before we started recording, I, I really want to experience the Pacific Northwest through ultra running. Um, and yeah. that's one of the areas I have not yet gone to, to do a race or do min, min, mini like runs or adventure runs or anything like that. Um, do you have like a favorite area or a favorite race that you would recommend to someone? I mean, I know you mentioned Orcus and Orcus being my first hundred. I mean, that one always will have a special place kind of in my heart. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. You think about doing four laps and some people are like, oh, that sounds terrible. Like, yeah. To come down to your finish line, you know, three different times prior, <laughs> you know, it's definitely a mind game. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's so gorgeous out there. Like the landscape, just the, the whole idea of like at Camp Moran, like it's, it's so like, I don't know, hometown sort of feel, you know, you're seeing everybody over and over the aid stations were super unique. Like one had, uh, during the day they had avocado sushi rolls. And then at night they switched it up to like sticky rice and mango uh, oh. sushi. And I mean, literally I was like, that was my drive. I was like, <laughs> I want to get back to that aid station because I want some more rolls. <laughs> and so it, it was just like, yeah, that whole experience was just super cool. And I mean, you go over on the ferry, right? Everybody on the ferry is either racing, helping out at the race, like knows somebody at the race. Oh, that's cool, man. And then, same thing on the way back. Like then everyone's talking about their stories about the race or how it went, you know? Yeah. It, it was, it's just a, like an amazing weekend event. That's cool. I never thought about the ferry aspect there. Like that's awesome. Yep. Cause you do get that chance to decompress or you do get the chance to like, I always like the nervous energy at a start line or before these things start. Yep. Like I always enjoy that. I don't know why. Like it's it, cause I think it kind of opens people up to, um, you know, like relate to one another. Like we're all in this together. We're all nervous together, you know, yep. and just being on a boat driving to a race, like sounds really cool. Yeah. Well, no. And James Varner, he's the race director. And I mean, he does an amazing job of like just the whole event. Like, you know, most races you get like a fancy t-shirt, right. With their yeah. logo. Yeah. His, his style is, I think they go from, go get like, uh, you know, used shirts from like a uh, goodwill. And then like plain ones, and then they stamp the uh, Orcus <laughs> logo and everything on it. So nobody has the same shirt. You have a very unique shirt that no one will ever get again. Uh, after the race, he does a, an awesome. Uh, so like on the Sunday, uh, he does an awesome uh, like post race, you know, award ceremony. And he writes down something about every single person. So he That's calls you up to the stage. He says, you know, so-and-so made this comment at the beginning of the race or, you know, fell on this trail and almost quit, but then powered through, like made it like super personable, which is amazing. That's awesome, dude. That one's always been on my list, on my bucket list. Yeah. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to look into making that happen, dude. But yeah. Just, and then they do have the smaller distances out there too, that uh, Candace I think does. So, you know, you can get a 50 miler or 25 miler. Yeah. 
so yeah nice man nice well john thank you so much for coming on dude i really enjoyed talking with you. any anything we'd missed anything else like any other dad advice or anything no i mean i, I mentioned it briefly but get a stroller a running stroller <laughs> is it's the way to go i mean i don't know how many times you know i got in i got in 20 miles i think with the kids on running strollers before so that's kind of the key waking dude, up early and having a running stroller <laughs> i have to share this story then real quick my i my oldest was born in virginia and we lived like right by the high school and so in the summer i would wake up early and take her out she was still sleeping i'd put her in the stroller and we'd go out yep. to the high school track and i would just do laps around the high school track just non-stop <laughs> and then i just remember one day the football team came out and they're all doing sprints and i just run the whole time they're out there doing their workout and then they're leaving and they're just looking at me like, are you still running? I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> yep. it was hilarious. But yeah, so I totally, that's, yeah, that's a great piece of advice, but yeah, yeah. you definitely get some, you definitely get some people always mentioning, you know, like, oh, good job, dad, stuff like that. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the kid gets a nap. The kid maybe has lunch in, in the stroller. I mean, you can actually, that's a way to multitask, you know? <laughs> yeah. Total multitasking. Well, yeah, man, where, uh, where can people kind of, kind of like follow your adventure if, if, you know, if they want to. Yeah. So run John on, Inst on Instagram is kind of the only thing I do. I'm not too big into the social media world besides that. So, nice. and then Strava, yeah. you know, if you follow John Maxwell on Strava, uh, I post all my runs and normally kind of post comments. I try to keep it pretty real about either how I felt or like maybe what I saw or, you know, how yeah. training's going, that type of stuff. So nice. I appreciate that. You're not just like, it was great for everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cause everybody uh, knows it's not. <laughs> everyone knows it's not man. Be realistic. You're like, I, a couple weeks ago I was running. I tried to shoot a snot rocket. It hit me in the eye. I was like, I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but I got to tell people I have to, yep. people need to know it's not as beautiful as like a slow-mo sprinting video, you know? exactly <laughs> <laughs> but awesome man well yeah dude enjoy hopefully i'll see you at a race at some point yeah for sure man that'd be great and thanks for having me on i really appreciate it yeah thanks all right that wraps up this week's episode huge thanks to john for coming on the show uh man it's funny like i love one of the things i enjoy about doing this podcast is i really like you know, after I get to sit down and talk to someone for an hour, you feel like you really start are starting to get to know them and you kind of follow their journey, you know, afterwards. And with social media these days, it makes it pretty easy to follow people's journeys and to see John go out there and and win that race, win that 100 miler is is so cool because, you know, he's sitting down. You heard you heard him talk like this stuff, like means a lot in his life and you know that's why he goes out and pursues these big goals and it's it's really cool to see someone um be successful at that which is awesome um as for me it finally happened i went for a run this morning we do, we do like wednesday runs every week me and a couple guys uh tim Barr, who's been on the show before if you like ultra running episodes go back and listen to those ones but um we go for a run every wednesday morning up uh, a mountain near us, like a trail run. Um, and in the summer it's, it's wonderful. We get out of the car, sun's coming up. Oh man, it's just beautiful. Nice and cool. Still, uh, it's fantastic. 
but it finally happened this week where sun didn't come up at all <laughs> like at all it is completely dark um the whole entire run today felt extra dark because the moon was just like a tiny little sliver and it was covered up by clouds and i'm like here we go man it just feels like back in the swing of things back in the school year starting um and for me with what has worked for me with this whole balancing act you know of being an athlete and a dad and and uh and uh, someone who is, works and stuff um my biggest strategy is i have to wake up ridiculously early like 4 a.m every single day like even on weekends i'm up at 4 a.m most of the time not all the time but most of the time i'm up at 4 a.m on the weekends um, because that's the time I can actually like go out and get that space, get that time to myself. Um, and there is times in the winter where it's a struggle. Like as after you've gone and you've the last like six or seven or eight runs you've done have been completely in the dark, just with a headlamp. Or sometimes I'm a I don't know why I forget a headlamp or we run out of battery. So I just use my phone light, but, um, which is kind of ridiculous. I understand. Um, but when you're doing that and it's like all these days built up in a row, like it wears on you. And the good news is if you want to reframe it in a positive way is you have to build that discipline and it does help build that discipline. Like I, I know that for my life, if I go out in the morning and I go for a run or I work out in some form or fashion, I know I'm going to feel better. Like I'm going to feel more calm. I'm going to feel more accomplished for the day, uh, which will boost my mood. And I know it'll just make me feel good. And so that really ultimately is what drives the discipline and the motivation, um, when it's, you know, not the most enjoyable, like I'm going to be honest, running in the daylight, way more enjoyable than running in the complete dark. And, and so I don't know, maybe this outro is just me complaining about <laughs> the tilt of the earth in the winter, uh, and how we're tilted away from the sun, you know, uh, and we get less daylight. I don't know. Maybe I hope it's not just complaining. I hope it's, uh, it's really just me reckoning with the fact that the next few months, it's going to be a lot of headlamp running to the point where like, I'll get to work sometimes and I'll work and everything. And I'll think back to my morning and I'm like, did I go for a run? And then I'm like, yeah, you did. You just don't remember any of it. It just feels like a continuation of your dream of you sleeping, you know, like you you're half awake when you're going out there doing that. But uh, but yeah, anyways, just kind of interesting. Just what we have to do right now just depends on, you know, your season of life. Like I'm sure I'll have a season of life at some point where, you know, my kids will be older and and I'll actually be able to go out and, and do this, you know, uh, do this at different times, you know, like later in the day or something. So it just is what it is. And, you know, it's but it is good to like sit down uh, just like I mentioned in the intro, like hear other people like going through a similar experience because they're not going to handle things the exact same way you do, you know, and so they might have really good ideas. And that's part of being a lifelong learner is trying to like take those good ideas, take what ideas are good and incorporate them in your life, 
in whatever way you can um you know and and also it's good just to like you know think about things every once in a while take space and be like hey like is this the best way i could be doing this like for me i you know every once in a while i'll think like okay i'm running at four in the morning is it that's good because then it's not getting in the way of family time but there are days where i'm like extra tired which means you know during family time i might just be more exhausted so it's good to kind of like take take that time and like break down whether something's working or what are the positives what are the negatives of uh the habits and the routines that you have so um yeah anyways that's just where i'm at right now uh <laughs> hope you all are having an awesome time i hope you're enjoying september uh today if it was the first day it felt like fall weather and i am psyched i'm so excited uh so hopefully you all are out there this is my favorite personal favorite time of the year so hopefully you have some kind of more brisk and awesome adventures planned over the next month or so um and just go out there and enjoy it because why not you know you might as well get out there and enjoy it as much as you can um all right that wraps up this week and we will get back at you next week thank you all for listening <laughs>